Well, good morning, Mechanicsville Church of Christ. How are you this morning? Oh, it's good to see you guys. Hey, if this is your first time, just want to introduce myself. My name is Will Pinnell, and I have the honor of serving here at Mechanicsville Church of Christ as a senior minister. Um, and if this is your first time, I just want to invite you real quick to take out your phone and text the word welcome to this phone number that will be up there, might be up there in just a moment. Um, there it is. And um, just a great way for us to say thank you, um, to get connected with us. If this isn't your first time and you have questions about a life group or getting more plugged in or serving or volunteering somewhere, we'd love to talk with you also. And this is a great way to connect with us. If this is not your first time here, welcome back. We're glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Church Online family, we're glad that you're here also to worship with us a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, we started this sermon series called Home for the Holidays. And the idea behind this series is that this time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's is full of joy, full of happiness, full of time together as family. And I don't know if there's anything more stressful than getting the whole family together. Amen? There's a couple people cheering for that. We don't, might not want to admit it, we, we might ignore it sometimes, we just press through because it's something that we just have to do, but let's be honest, the whole family gets together, or maybe it is just your family right now, that things are just a little bit stressful. There's just a little bit of added anxiety this time of year and making sure all the shopping's done and dinner's prepared and it's going to be done on time and in-laws and extended family in and going to make that common or bring up that thing and and this can be a hard season for many and if we look at the birth story of Jesus what we see is a lot of stress and anxiety and a lot of similar things actually in the birth story of Jesus Sometimes this season is hard, not because of the people who are around our table, but because of the people who are not. I'm not talking about family who couldn't make it in this year, but I'm talking about the loved ones that we've lost this year or years ago. You might be sitting next to a chair that has a reserve tag on it, and these chairs I've wanted to set aside and reserve for loved ones that we've lost. This week as I was preparing and planning and praying over what I would say this morning, uh, stories and names came flooding to mind and I'm sure I didn't think of everybody because I don't know everyone and I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know who you've lost, I don't know how you lost them and I don't, I don't know how it feels to be in your shoes. Because every person is unique, every relationship is unique, and, and it's just hard. And so, as we come to the text this morning, what we're going to see is that this too is in the birth story of Jesus. For the last couple weeks, we've looked at the Gospel of Luke, and we've looked at how uh, Luke was a doctor, and he talked to eyewitness accounts, even though he wasn't there for much of Jesus' life and ministry. But this morning, we're going to look at the book of Matthew. And Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. Matthew was there for a lot of it, and he saw and he heard firsthand from Jesus. 
We're going to look in Matthew chapter 2 at a story that you might be familiar with. But you might not be familiar with the ending of it. We don't talk a lot about it. The story starts in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now King Herod didn't know what they were talking about and so he consulted his, his chief priests and his scribes and the people who, who should have known the Old Testament text and they find this quote and they tell the king about it. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea for for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so the king tells these wise men, here's the general direction, go this way. And then the star reappears and they find the baby Jesus and, and they worship the baby Jesus. And we always think there's three wise men because they list three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they stayed the night because in a dream, in verse 12, it says they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. You see, Herod told them, once you find this baby Jesus, this king of the Jews, you come tell me so I can go worship him also. And God knew that he did not want to worship him. In fact, he wanted to kill this baby. He wanted to murder the king of the Jews because what we know from history is that King Herod was not a nice man, especially when it came to anyone who would threaten his kingdom. He heard rumors that two of his children were plotting to take over his kingdom and he had them killed and turns out it was just a rumor. There was no truth there. And even on his deathbed, he finally figured out which son of his was trying to take over the kingdom and on his deathbed with his dying breath, not his last final breath, but on his deathbed, he had that son murdered. He was a vicious man who did this, these atrocities all the time. In verse 16 it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, be became furious. He sent and killed all male children in Bethlehem and in that whole region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. You look in historic texts and there's really not a whole lot of historical... Uh, outside of scripture, uh, uh, conversations, uh, written documents, anything about this event. And most think that this was such a mild case of what Herod had done that it just wasn't worth writing about. Bethlehem was a small area, small town. We're, we're probably talking about 12, maybe 20, 30 at most children under the age of two that Herod killed. And it didn't touch what he was capable of and what he did at other points of his life. And so God comes to Joseph before this happens and he says, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. We look throughout the book of Matthew and Matthew often almost seems to be addressing a Jewish audience because a lot of his explanations, a lot of his uh, writings come from a place of this was said to fulfill what the prophet said years ago. 
And he does the same thing here. I wish that that this was different. I don't know if you remember, but there there are several times in Jesus' ministry that that he will say a parable or he'll he'll say something, and then he kind of turns around to his disciples and and he says, hey, I said this because, and, and he explains to them why. And I wish that in this moment, Matthew said that later we found out this is why it happened. But he doesn't. All he says is that this happened to fulfill what the prophet said years ago, Hosea 11.1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. And so later, God calls his son back out of Egypt to go back home after Herod has died. And then there's Jeremiah 31.15. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And we're left to wrestle with this question of why. God, God, why why would you include this in the birth story of your son? Why would you include this, even knowing this is going to happen, why would you include this in prophecies? To say, this is going to be a sign that my son is born, that my son is coming to this world. Why? Why would this be here? And my guess is you've probably asked the similar questions in your life. Why did loved ones have to leave this world too soon? Why us? Why is this world still so broken? And I wish more than anything that I had some good answers for you this morning. But I don't. Nothing that will at least be helpful. I think there are some things that we can learn from this, that we can see, though, about God, about this world the first one is that the depravity of man did not end with the birth of Jesus we often talk in in churches and in conversations with other Christians that you know the birth of Jesus changed everything the death and resurrection of Jesus changed everything and in some ways it did but then in many ways nothing changed The world was the same place it was the day after the birth of Jesus than it was the day before. The world was the same the day after his death than it was the day before. The world was the same place it was after his resurrection than it was the day before. Nothing changed. Mankind has always been mankind. We've always been selfish. We've always been self-centered. We've always looked out for our own interests. We always have done the things that we want to do. The depravity of man did not end with Jesus. There's still people who make decisions to get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car. There's still people who make decisions to to break into homes, to kill others senselessly, There's still people that 
for whatever reason, choose to make terrible decisions that impact us and impact others. And there's a part of me that just, God, why, why don't you just stop that from happening? And for some reason, he thought the free will that we had to make our own decisions would be a good thing. And sometimes it's just not. And I know that doesn't speak to everyone because I know many who have lost loved ones due to cancer. During this season of COVID, I've read stories of even young people dying of COVID and other things. Hurricanes come through, tornadoes, recently in Kentucky, and and people have died because of just nature and this world. And in one sense, it makes it harder because there's no one really to blame except God. I mean, God, God, why, why do you even let cancer exist? Why does the weather have to be so terrible that it takes people that we love? Outside of our control, but God, we we see you calming the storm. We see you quieting the winds and the rain. and we, We see you controlling nature. So God, why? And again, I wish I had a good answer. But I don't. I do see a couple things that I want to point out in John chapter 9 and John chapter 11. And I want to be very careful before I go much further because this is not an answer. In fact, I wouldn't even say this is part of the answer. I'm going to skip over an aspect of the answer for the time being. I'm going to get to the result of what can happen in the long run in the end. So, so don't throw anything at me quite yet. In John chapter 9, we see of a time when he and Jesus and his disciples are walking and they come across a man who's been blind from birth. And the disciples ask him in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And if you've been in church for a little bit, you've probably heard the story and you know Jesus' answer and you know maybe how ridiculous of a question this is. And yet we ask the same thing today. I can't even count how many Christians I know of that when Hurricane Katrina came through said this was God's judgment. That's the same thing that's happening here. And Jesus in verse 3, he answered, no, it doesn't work that way. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. John chapter 11, Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick and the disciples ask if they want to go, if he wants to go and and heal him so he doesn't die. Uh, But when Jesus heard it, he said to them in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I know this is different because in these stories... It didn't involve people we love deeply leaving this world. And Jesus isn't here to bring them back to life. 
And I don't think for a moment that you have lost loved ones so that God can be glorified. I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the why. Hear me on that, please. God did not say, I'm going to take someone you love so that I'm glorified. It didn't work that way. What we do see in Scripture is that God is full of compassion and love and he comforts us when we're hurting Jesus came to this world to die for our sins and to bring us into relationship with him and he did that at the end of his life but his ministry was just full of comforting people comforting the father who lost his daughter the woman who couldn't stop bleeding, the man who, whose mother was about to pass, the woman who was an outsider and an outcast who had no place to go and no one to go to whose daughter was dying, the demon-possessed man, the blind man, the men full of leprosy. He comforts us when we hurt. And I know that's not an answer either. I told you I don't have any good answers. And I'm sorry. But I know that whatever hurt you're feeling this season as we go into Christmas, whoever is not around the table that you, that you want to be there, a spouse or a parent or a child. Maybe you were dreaming of baby's first Christmas. And that didn't happen. We serve a God who's there to comfort you in a way that no one else can. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Three and four. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. Um, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I don't know who, you, who you've lost, but I know this time of year can be hard for many. So our elders and our prayer team, they're going to go ahead and stand up where they are, and they're just going to space out themselves around our worship space this morning. And they're, they're not, they're not going to ask you a lot of questions. They're not going to pepper you with verses or anything like that but what they are going to do is that they're just going to be here for to, to pray over you they're here to pray over you this morning if you've lost someone that you're going to miss this time of year i just want to encourage you to find one of these individuals and just tell them your name and the name of the person you've lost so that they can pray for you by name and that's it and then they're just going to pray for you. 
they're going to pray for, for comfort, they're going to pray for peace, and they're just going to pray that this holiday season's a little easier for you. So I'm going to start us off with prayer. There's going to be some music playing lightly in the background, and if you don't want to get up and be prayed for this morning, um, then just pray where you are for the people in our church who have lost someone, for the people in our community that this is just going to be a hard season for. And I just want to ask you to wrap around your arms in prayer, those in our church and those in our community also. So let's pray together. Father, um, I wish more than anything that there were some answers that we just don't see. I wish that there was some kind of, of revelation that you could, you could give us in your word or for me to share with, with your people or some way of us having some answers that make sense. But God, I, I just don't see them. But God, we do see that you love us, that you are still good, you are still seated on your throne, that you are the God of all comfort, and so God, we come before you now and we just, we just lift up those who are hurting, whose hearts are broken, for those who... For those who miss others this time of year, may you comfort them in a way that only you can. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So the rest of that passage in 2 Corinthians goes like this. God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And that's how I think God is glorified. Not in your pain, not in your hurt, not with the broken heart that you're experiencing right now, but when with time we can experience the comfort of God and we can then get to a place to comfort others. There are no good answers, and my heart goes out to everyone who has lost someone that this is just going to be a tough year for. If you'd like someone to talk to, my door is open, and I would love to meet with you this week, if need be, or, or later, or the, the, the invitation doesn't end. I'm sorry I don't have better answers, but what I can do is point you to the God of all comfort who comforts us in a way that no one else can. Father God, I come before you hurting for those I've lost and for those who are in this room, who are watching online, who have lost loved ones recently or years ago, that it just still stings. I pray that this Christmas season will be full of joy, full of family, and I pray that they allow themselves the space this year to cry a little bit, 
to grieve a little bit. And I pray that they find comfort in you and comfort from those of us who have felt that comfort from you. Lord, comfort us all this morning in a way that only you can. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.